to Occam's Razor, episode 39, the podcast about the paranormal. I'm Jim Birchall. Uh, I've had a few weeks off um, away from the show, but we're back uh, ready to go now. Uh, frequent contributor Roger Stankovich, the Australasian head of MUFON, uh, is on the show. How are you, Roger? I'm good, Jim. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, are you still locked up over in Australia there with this, uh, COVID, a bit like we are, uh, or what's the alert status? No, no. Unless, unless you're, unless you're a, um, a, a Mexican, which we call the the, the Victorians. <laughs> um, basic, <laughs> basically, they're still under lockdown yep. and a severe lockdown, and a lot of them are not liking it. And one of our investigators is actually down there. And uh, she's spitting chips because she's got a, a business down there and a hotel. She's into the hotel business and uh, they, they go from state into state. You know, and her husband's here in New South Wales. She's in Victoria, country Victoria, and her, her daughter's in, in the city in Melbourne. And they're all separated and they've been separated for quite some time and they're, they're very annoyed by it. Um, well, so, what have about you guys? How are they um, monitoring people that? Um, perhaps work on one side of the border and then, um, you know, live on the other. How, how's that working? Well, uh, the borders are closed. So oh, you okay. can't, so there's no you can't free movement. Go from, you know, did you from work state to state? Live in the other no. Place? That's right. Yeah. What about over there? No, I mean, New nothing that dramatic. Happening? We had a bit of a lockdown uh, in Auckland. We're sort of sitting at level sort of two and a half, they're calling it, 2.5, and the rest of the country is waiting to hear if oh, they'll 2.5, be released right. from custody tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But I think there's. Been- it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? It does. It does, and it's and it's getting to the point where uh, things are getting pretty grim over here. So I uh, would like to. Yeah, I mean, we're not, not doing business as much. Good, no, isn't we're not it? the worst yeah, off just- in the world, obviously. But uh, we would like to. Well, you get see, work. I I believe in. Yeah, I believe in herd immunity, yep. um, and you can call me what you you may, but um, I really believe that our immune systems have to be used to these viruses, and and just locking people away is I don't think it's the right thing. It's not natural. Um, we should be exposed to these. You just keep the immune people that have you know uh, problems with their immune system and the elderly away from it, of course. But you know, if uh, we sh- we should, because our immune systems won't evolve. No. I mean, this is how we evolved our immune systems, our B and T cells and our antibodies and, you know, memory cells. This is how we evolved this by being exposed constantly to these types of viruses. And there's going to be worse viruses. And if we are locking ourselves away, our immune systems won't evolve. And in a couple of hundred years' time, uh, a couple of hundred years' time, we'll have a, a really nasty, you know, thousand year virus that'll, that'll wipe us all off the earth, face of the earth, I reckon. Anyway, that's my opinion. <laughs> hopefully, our alien friends come. And, uh, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, well, hopefully, our alien friends come and um, you know give us a lift to uh, yeah, their planet. I, they haven't met. Um, well, they, yeah, they could do. I don't know. I mean, they seem to be very worried about our nuclear warheads, um, which they've always interfered with, uh, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there might be some altruistic, um, you know, uh, feelings there from the, the um, extraterrestrials when it comes to this sort of situation. I don't know. I mean. So, Roger, uh, you've been digging in the MUFON yeah. files for us, particular, uh, or particularly uh, with a focus on New Zealand um, UFO files and no. ones that aren't necessarily uh, that well-known or in the public domain. Um, and you were doing 
this week kindly uh, in anticipation of coming on the show. So, okay, what, so what um, basically I um, went into the database and uh, I uh, our database is called the CMS, which is Case Management System. And, um, it uh, you know, this is where people actually come in and, and log in their yep. their um, their uh, sightings that they see. So they usually, oh, I don't know what they really do, but, I mean, I th- often I would imagine that they just Google up report a UFO if they've seen a UFO. And then um, our, our sort of like um, our website will come up usually either number one or close to number one in the Google search engine. and um, then they'll they'll go into our website case management system and actually um, report the UFO based. You know, obviously they've got to select their country uh, of origin and then um, put the report in. And Evers, yeah, um, we this system hasn't been in operation for quite some for a long sure. time. Um, in Australia, it's been it's been around since two thousand, so it's been around for twenty years, but which is not a long time. And um, in New Zealand, I've just <laughs> just been out today. That's only been around. So the earliest report was 2005. So um, it could have been in existence prior to that, but uh, we only had people reporting into the okay. system since 2005. And so we've generated something like 248 cases, but that's obviously not, you know, I mean, not all of them are, are you know, as we're, as far as we're concerned, yep. unknowns, which, uh, have you did did you sort of have a uh, furrow through the microfiche to get no, any old no, stuff I think, in there? Um, it, uh, I, I don't have access years? to the microfiche. I have no idea where it is. I think it's probably with um, uh, what's his name, um, uh, the guy in the states that um, uh, took most of our files. I've got a memory loss now. Um, uh, I'll get back to you in that one. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it. I think it's dementia. No, you um, too. I have them regular. Um, We've probably both been. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, the uh, earlier files yeah. are, are probably yeah <laughs> okay. somewhere else, and um, as field investigators or whatever, we don't have access to them. We've just got the the data, the CMS database, which is online now, and um, and so um, that's the only access we have. I don't know of any. People upload their own report. I wanted to, to just quickly say that um, uh, reporting systems were around, but you'd have to – you couldn't go online, obviously. Yep. And um, uh, APRO, which was um, around before um, uh, MUFON was around, um, people were reporting to APRO. And I used to subscribe to the APRO newsletter many, many, many years ago. I was a teenager in the, in the 80s and 70s or 70s even, I think. I'm not sure. It was giving my age away. But, uh, um, yeah, so so basically there were, you know, people could report things, but usually, um, you know, you'd have to get in contact with, uh, um, directly in contact with the actual agency, but not obviously, obviously there wasn't any, there was no internet, you know. Um, so there are old reports, but these are the reports that we've got currently under the new system. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people go on go online and um, – Bob Bigelow is the guy's name. I'm sorry. I just forgot his name. So I, they're probably with him. Uh, so the microfish is probably in, yeah, Bigelow, Bigelow Aerospace, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I shouldn't mention okay, that Bigelow because Aerospace it's a very sensitive topic. Fame. But anyway, uh, um, so uh, so people yeah, log in their, um, their, um, uh, into the system and then uh, select their country of origin and then put their report in. And um, then it generates a number, and then we we get the 
we get the report as um, you know uh, it gets allocated to us um, uh, straight away, or I don't know what probably the states would get it initially. The headquarters in the states would get it, and then they'd sort of like um, send an email to us, and um, they'd they'd send an email to to um, to me first, and then I would allocate the cases to um, a field investigator or myself. Uh, the New Zealand cases, they've never had, we've never had, well, we've had um, investigators, but um, I'm not quite sure whether they've ever been actual New Zealanders. Um, what happened before um, MUFON became, MUFON became um, established in other countries is that the, the United States used to actually do all the reporting from the States. So even though they had a presence, it was all from all done from afar, and then they eventually co-opted okay, so it was people all, to all actually join afar, yeah. uh, in the in the country of origin, and um, basically then become you know national directors like myself, and then field investigators, etc. So, um, um, uh, and I'm the only person that does the New Zealand cases and as the national director, um, and uh, we've got in Australia we've got about eight um, field investigators, including myself. Okay. Which is um the, the you know I'm the national director for both Australia and New Zealand so we've only we've only got a handful of investigators and we're usually um one of the top 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 five at least countries that get the most UFO sightings um I don't know why that is I think it's a you know, like obviously it's a it's a vast expanse of of land you yeah. know you know it's um you know Australia's as, as you know is is bigger than the United States I think um uh, not obviously you know, um, you know, just the, the, the area of it, um, uh, I think is bigger than the States. I'm not quite sure. Um, or it could be close to it. Yeah. yeah. The continent. Um, so basically, um, uh, yeah. So since 2005, way, yeah. we've been getting cases in New Zealand and, um, uh, I've been, uh, trying to get through because I'm actually doing the new Australian ones as well. And I'm trying to get on top of them and um, the New Zealand cases are getting away a bit from me, but I'm going to try and get onto them. Um, so I'm looking at cases now that are done prior to my, you know, being national director or a field investigator. I joined in 2015. Um, and so I've only been there. For, I've only been doing it for 50, five years. Sorry. Um, uh, so, so basically I'm, I'm looking at other people's reports and, um, and the way they handle them, uh, which is sometimes good and sometimes not so good. But um, obviously, you know, each field investigator does their own thing, you know, when they're looking at reports. Yeah. And um, I, I like to do, I like to look at things skeptically and I like to to go through things and try and eliminate. And this is what you're supposed to do as a field investigator, eliminate all the different possibilities that um, it could be. And then if you can't actually identify it um it becomes what's called an unknown uh in other words you know people say well, why don't you just call it a ufo um I was just, well yeah it, that's what it is you know it's an identified flying object so um i think mm. people i think people um lose that uh connection between the two don't they you know yeah it's not a belief system say, it's just that you, you know like the um, you know like and, you know that's obviously um, that's a misnomer. It, yeah it's 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 sort of like no you know it's unidentified um, so it's not a, it's not a case of believing in it. It's just either identified or unidentified. Um, so, um, I suppose the question could be, could be, um, you, you could, you could, you could suggest that the question might be, um, do you think that, um, aliens have the technology to get here, you know, um, 
and and you know and is that what we're seeing in the in the skies you know but anyway um so uh yeah so i went through um, some of the earlier cases and obviously there's a proportion that um are unknown and a proportion that uh, have insufficient data um uh, or identified as ifos which are identified flying objects uh hoaxes and um so i've i'm only going to be covering the cases yep. that are unknown so obviously it's it's point, pointless going through the <laughs> the identified ones and pointless going Absolutely. through the hoaxes was j- just before you start roger on an earlier episode we had you on and we discussed yeah um, and a case that caused some conjecture in the south island of new zealand where a a fellow was um, unfortunately killed um, by a projectile that went through the front of his uh, vehicle. Now, the strange thing about this is the projectile was never found, despite um, you know extensive police uh, investigation and and people involved with with the coroner, investigators, and things like that. Um, and and your uh, well hypothesis, I suppose, was that it was uh, or contention was that it was. Um, yeah, possibly a UFO. So, you know, these things are happening in every country yeah. in the world. You think little old New Zealand, and I think it was down right down in Wanaka, a small town in the South Island, and you think, yeah. you know, these things are being seen everywhere, aren't they? Um, no, no um, you know, even even in Africa, um, obviously they had that aerial school, um, yep. uh, you know, UFO that landed and, um, and all the children saw it. Um, uh, that was... Um, quite a while ago um and i think in the 90s um and um you know like you've 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 got all places in south south america um even i suppose um i haven't really oh yeah alaska i mean i don't know they're they're everywhere (laughs) they're everywhere um basically um yeah there's no place just because of the western media that we're yeah the western media that we're exposed to obviously leans itself mm. to us hearing that's right um you know it's about stuff that happens in the u.s and obviously that's the hotbed not necessarily yeah. the hotbed of greater activity but certainly the hotbed of interest in um, yeah i, I sort of like wonder what um is happening in, in some of like places like china so. and russia where um it's you've got um massive populations and such a large area and um you hear about you know some really down. fascinating cases in the yeah. states where like Roswell, um, some people are just, I mean, a lot of, even a lot of ufologists are writing off Roswell now, but um, I still think there's a, there's a grain of um, truth to it. But um, uh, uh, other other yeah. incidences where um, you have crashed UFOs, I'm just wondering, um, you know, like how many cases have happened in, in say, China or India or Russia where um, they've had instances where um you know, a craft has actually crashed, or there's bits and pieces of a craft that they they found, um, and that that's fascinating. And I don't know, you know, like some of those cases have been obviously haven't been disclosed to the public in any way. And I'm just wondering how many of those interesting cases there are. That's right. I mean, if you were part of a uh, extraterrestrial crew <laughs> visiting Earth, um, you probably wouldn't want to crash in North Korea or China <laughs> or something like that. Uh, ma- mainly for the fact that you'd never be heard from again is, is the first yeah. thing. But uh, hey, yeah, 
they're probably not that selective. Yeah, you know, so um, where, I might just told. start on this uh, in the first case. So um, as I said, we, we began in 2005. We've got about 248 cases, and that's not obviously not, not all um, unknown. I haven't really gone through to find out the percentage of unknowns, but it's usually around about 10 to 20%. Um, 20% is rather high. It just depends upon the investigator. Um, if we call it an unknown, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a UFO. Um, you know, we, we keep it open. Like it's, it's sort of like it's closed, but it's sort of like sort of open still. Like an open, I can still open closed cases and we can further investigate them if we get more data on them. But we've never really yeah. closed a, an unknown case, as far as I'm aware, with further data as an IFO or a hoax. So that's that's interesting that we've never done that before. We've Yeah. And so this is case four two two one. So uh, the first the ever unknown uh, reported in New Zealand under the MUFON banner. So um, this is a female witness that lived uh, in a place uh, called Shannon. I don't know whether you're familiar with Shannon. It's about 70 kilometres north of Wellington. Um, but anyway, I'll get there one day um, and I'll come and visit you. <laughs> um, so wit- witness, uh, was, uh, she was staying at her grandmother's house, uh, but sleeping in an outbuilding uh, which was separate to the main house um, in Shannon. And um, she felt that someone was watching her and she found it difficult to sleep. So she decided to get up and uh, uh, she um, uh, all of a sudden um, the build, the outbuilding was lit up as if it was daylight, but it was in, you know, like in the night. I'm not quite sure what time because she hadn't put a time down, but it was, you know, obviously pitch black. And um, since there was no traffic uh, for miles around at the time of night, she obviously got quite um, startled by this. And then she heard this um, loud, so like a whirring or a, she's written down were were big green zing or something like that um if anyway you could yeah some sort of were big ring zing 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 anyway and she said it sounded like someone was turning on a uh, turning on a tractor or something like that and um so she looked through the curtains and was terrified of the possibility um and she thought you know, somebody was had turned on the John dear tractor but uh the only person that knew how to drive it was her grandfather who was currently deceased um and nobody on the farm knew how to drive it uh, following his passing so um uh, when she looked out of the window she saw a ufo um but she didn't describe it this is unusual and it appeared to be making circular movement patterns in the sky getting closer each time until she could see some engravings uh which she called of most peculiar nature under the inside of the rim of the UFO. So then it appeared to hover over the chicken coop. And then she reports that uh, she regained consciousness after an apparent blackout for unknown amount of time. So um, after that period of time, she rushed time because um, uh, after seeing the UFO, she just blacked out. And then, um, uh, then when she regained consciousness, um, for a period of, she says a period of time, but I, um, I, it, there's no, like, I don't know whether she, she doesn't actually report a time, you know, she didn't report a time that she saw it. She hasn't reported a time when she, um, regained consciousness. So yeah. that that's a bit unusual that, that, that she's done that. Um, so she says she's rushed to the window and she could not see the UFO anymore. Um, so I'm a bit skeptical about, about this one. Anyway, it was called an unknown. 
Uh, although what I did, um, I did a bit of an investigation on it um, again, and I mean not not much. I mean I just looked at the I just looked at the street, and you can't. There's no such thing as Farmer Street in Shannon. There's no, there's no, unless somebody or, or, yeah. uh, can 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 ring in, <laughs> no, from your witnesses. <laughs> is there a farmer street in Shannon? I don't know. From yeah, from memory, um, is it? From memory, I mean, it is. It is quite agricultural. Um, it was. It was only so, like fifteen years a, ago. Know, so, but I can't imagine that they would have um, like uh, renamed the street in tool. such time. But um, okay. uh, I tried to look up Farmer Street and couldn't find it. So, and also, um, she gave. Oh, so if you were gonna, you know. Yeah, if you were going to make up a hoax yeah. UFO report, there would be other places oh, like okay. Shannon I would sort of um, tailor yeah. it to, <laughs> to be honest. So, I mean, that side of it, that's fairly genuine. It's uh, it's it's not a town oh, I, I think to sort of – Yeah. Um, if you see a UFO, and I have – I sort of like thought I saw a UFO as well when I was 16, but um, you usually um, tend to, to um, have a ment- obviously mental picture about it and remember it and yep. try to describe it. Um, but this witness really didn't try and describe it. There was no description of the UFO in her um, – in her um, statement and um, she didn't give us the time of the event and she also had an email which was started with, I can't give you the whole email, but it's um, ET experience at something or other. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's her email and I found that rather suspicious. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't emailed any her on that email address uh, to see if it, if it would bounce back. But anyway, that just seemed a bit odd. But um, anyway... Uh, it is what it is, and that was our first case. Um, I thought it was interesting, but you know, I, uh, there's there's lacking a lot of detail. If I was the investigator, I would have um, certainly I would have um, emailed her, and I would have um, tried to locate where the actual um, you know house was located. And what I usually do when I locate the, the witness, I get them um, usually to take a photograph, even if they couldn't take a photograph of the UFO. Uh, I I tell them to actually go to the window in their house and take a photograph of the window and what's seen outside of the window, yep. you know, as you know, where the UFO was. Yep. So you actually then, you're actually put in the picture. So you, you, as an investigator, you're actually there in the house looking at the window, looking through the window as well. You know, it makes sense to do something like that. And even though it's broad daylight and there's no UFO there, um, there could be clues as to, you know, like what it, what else it could have been, um, you know, like um, Particularly and, and um, um, bathed in light and that sort of thing because you know, that lends itself. Yeah. Maybe there's some roadworks happening outside, you know, there's a lineman up, our, uh, up, up some repairs you know the rubbish trucks come past flash its headlights through the window she's yeah well see there's no time given so yeah yeah interesting anyway so that's the first case the second case uh, was 9653 case 9653 um happened on the 20th of february 2008 at 3 25 p.m so this is in the afternoon um in palmerston north which is um Obviously, in the North Island, about I think it's is it about a hundred k north of Wellington. It is. It's not actually that far from Shen yeah. where we were just talking. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and the, the first three cases are actually very um, very close to each other, which is interesting. And the very first three unknown cases were found very close to each other. Um, so again, female witness. Um, 
she uh, she had a legitimate location and email address this time, yep. um, uh, and an interview was conducted. Um, so the witness was um, in her study in her house uh, when she stepped outside to have a cigarette and noticed a flash at the corner of eye. Um, so she looked up and saw seven to nine objects which appeared to be hovering uh, together initially and then split up and went into a different into different directions. So the objects all moved at a variable speeds and the fastest object was described as traveling very fast to quote the actual witnessed witness. Um, and I don't know what that means. They were, you know, they obviously were very fast, meaning faster than a plane. Yeah, independent of each other. So the objects appeared to disappear and reappear. And the witness uh, thought for a moment that she might have uh, been uh, seeing a very thin altitude clouds, uh, but the sky was clear and uh, it, it was quite a warm day. So she's being analytical too. She's trying to figure out, you know, like, and this this lady's got a Bachelor of Arts degree and her husband's got a Master's in, in physics. So um, they're quite intelligent people and um, they're obviously – you know, um, wondering what this is and, and trying to think of all the combinations of permutations of what it could be. And um, so, they've, they've so that, that's to, good that, you know, she's doing that. They've tried to apply some rational thought to it. and all Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And um, so um, the objects, uh, um, so that she was saying that the objects appeared to execute unnatural manoeuvres, um, so you wouldn't get a thin cloud doing that, and looked uh, it uh, looked like a, a metallic to a white color, and what ha one had an egg shaped form. Um, and the witness was intrigued and blown away by what she was seeing, and tried to rationalize an explanation in her mind at the time to fit a natural phenomenon, but was unsuccessful. So, um, as I said before, she had a BA degree, and her husband's got a master's in physics, and both were skeptics. At the time that she cited it, but cited the um, UFOs, but then he he arrived back in time uh, to see all of the objects, but they were sort of like dots in the distant sky at the time, but he did see them. So she wasn't the only one that saw them. Um, uh, so she said that she ruled out floating seeds and insects. So she was trying to come up with ideas um, as the flight was too steady and um, uh, there was a bit of a wind, and she said that if it was seeds or insects, they'd be wobbling about a bit, And um, but that didn't seem to be the case. Um, so she ruled out seagulls, uh, which uh, because she couldn't see any wings. Um, she um, also said that the speeds that the objects were travelling were far too fast to be any of these natural phenomenon. So... Um, yeah, sorry. I'm surprised she included insects in her. Um, yeah, in her uh, dissection. Of, yeah, because, um, um, what, you know, what it, um, if I'm seeing a bunch of lights in the sky moving independent of each insects. other and with unnatural movements. Yeah, if you if you've got a video um, and you're you. seeing something inadvertently that you've filmed, yeah, um, you could then probably say it could be an insect that's very close to the camera, but it looks distant and it looks like it could be like it, it looks like it's a UFO, but you know it could be an insect that's that's. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's the perspective of the thing. But yeah. if you're if you're viewing it with your own eye, um, our eyes are actually pretty damn good at picking things up. I don't know what these skeptics are saying, and I, um, I did a podcast yesterday with another guy, and they're all saying that you know, um, you know, they they're saying that nobody is a trained observer. 
you know, but the human eye and brain are pretty bloody good at actually identifying things that are in, in, in the sky and, and, you know, we are, we're pretty good. Um, and yeah, they, they point a lot towards the um, eyewitness yeah. testimony but, being but, um, you know, like reliable. And that sort our of eyes thing. are and a lot better than cameras, um, uh, you know, uh, and so, you know, like she, she was in a situation yep. where she was seeing it directly. So she actually did a, um, uh, a, a drawing as well and handed in. So she was very genuine. She even uh, did this, you know, quite a nice little drawing where she um, uh, drew the, you know, like the, a perspective from the house and uh, drew some, the houses where, uh, you know, the neighborhood is the fence, a car that was parked in the front yard um, and the trees in the background, she put uh, where due North was. And then she's drawn a, uh, that one of the objects, one small object flew here to here, hovered, then returned to original place twice. And then she's drawn first appearance bunched close together. So she's drawn them all, um, and she's drawn the egg-shaped one, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six of them, six of them, and then she's drawn. Right. What, what originally? Uh, what comes to mind for me um, is the oh, no, that would I think the Starlink would have been much before. later than that. You're talking about Elon Musk, are you? Or? It would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah. Sorry. Let me just have a quick look. <laughs> Um, uh, 2008. I don't think it was around then. Don't I think so. Okay, I think so. So it was well out, well outside yeah. that. Um, um, yeah, the current situation where you look up in the sky and you can't really decipher anything. I know. There's so many things yeah. flying around at the moment. There's a lot of I'm drones sure out there these days. There's a lot a, of people. Um, there's space junk. There's um. There's you know, planes, obviously. There's rockets. There's all sorts of things. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd have to be like there's um, there's what what I call the observables, and what they they came up. Um, I think it was um, uh, you know, like there's about four or five features that you that are called the observables. When you look at a, a UFO, it's got to have supersonic speed for starters. You know, and it's got to be it's got to be like traveling in yeah. a way that it can do a maneuver that would kill the occupant if it was under, you know, if it wasn't um, in a special condition of its own gravitational field. Oh, um, so there's there's yeah. certain observables that you, you you can go through and say, oh well, look, there's, there's no way that this could possibly be a man-made um, uh, uh, object or anything natural because of the trajectory that it just traveled in, the speed. Um, you know, um, uh, various other things. You know, so it's not con- it's not con- non conventional um, thrust. You know, it's travelling as if it's um, you know under under a different mechanism of propulsion in terms of anti gravity or something like that. So um, it, you know, like um, uh, some people, you know, will see an odd light in the sky, and if it's if it's travelling at a a reasonable pace, like if it's not really fast or something like that, but it's it looks odd. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a spacecraft. I mean, it could be a Chinese lantern or something. You know that I I I, I tend to be a bit skeptical about things that don't have those, you know, characteristics where it's not going it, to it's not traveling at a rate of knots. It's 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 um not doing you know really weird maneuvers and things like that. Um, it could be you know a craft. I don't know. I mean, as it, keep going. As, mm. 
investigator, uh, Roger, do you place um, more credence on sightings during the daytime or that are recorded during the daytime than you do at night? Obviously, it's a lot easier to decide what you see. Yeah, um, I don't know whether I can commit myself to say yes on that, but the thing is that um, and I, I think the daytime sightings are quite rare and they're very – a bit rarer, and if you do see a day daylight sighting, it's it's quite um, significant because um, you know, like it's an object in the sky. It doesn't necessarily have to emit light, and um, so it's it's strange that you know, like if you can see an object in the sky, and it's it may not be emitting light. It could just be a shape that you're seeing in the sky, and it's travelling at you know, like supersonic speeds and doing maneuvers that, that are impossible, I think that that's really rare and very significant um, compared to something in the night. But then again, um, you can't discount lights in the night and you, people saying, well, why do UFOs have light um, anyway? You know, why don't they just travel in space uh, without a light so they can't be identified? Well, you know, I mean, there's been various theories on that, uh, but I don't want to go there at the moment. I think, it, you know, there's people saying that, you know, um, it could have something to do with the ionizing, you know, an ionization of the craft and it just it just can't help but help, you know, um, the ionization of the craft with the atmosphere is causing the light to come off it. I don't know. Uh, we don't know. We haven't, you know, as far as I know, we, I don't have a craft actually tested. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they just um, aren't too worried about being yeah, seen I mean, anymore. Yeah, and, 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 you know, like, and even if they were seen, uh, even if they are seen, which they are, <laughs> um, we can't do anything about it. We can just take a, a fil- photograph yeah. or a film and then they'll just go, they'll just think, oh, you know, they can't prove it anyway. So, <laughs> you know, they'll probably laugh at us, um, which they probably are, you know. there's They know that we can't prove it. So, you know, it's just like the... You know, yeah. crops, crop circles, and and um, sorry, oh, crop circles and yeah. animal mutilations. We can't prove them, and they obviously know that we can't prove it, but they're still doing them. So anyway, actually, crop circles um are interesting because they they never go away, do they? I mean, we had these guys what nine ninety one who who fronted up to the BBC and said, yeah, yeah that was, was a lot of been, mm. um you know sort of- absolute crap. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they were obviously jokers. But probably anyway. were doing it, and they could do it. But some of these designs are just so intricate. Um, and the oh, look, they they obviously the did a few, but um, they didn't do it. And, yeah. and the MI six was MI six was involved yeah, as right. well. But the thing is that um, I think somebody posted a, a something. Sorry, um, somebody posted yep. a, a, a crop circle on yep. um, the MUFON <laughs> Global website, the Facebook site, and uh, one of um, Lucy Pringles, she's a very, very famous crop circle photographer and investigator in the UK, and um, it was a, an extremely inc- intricate um, crop circle, um, and I, I, I hadn't seen it before, but it was it was done in 2015, I think. I think it was 2015. It could have been 2005. Um, uh, and uh, the question was um, by the post, the 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 um, uh, the, uh, the the person that posted the the, the photograph, um, could could men could you know could humans make okay. this crop circle? And I I commented and said, well, 
um, what you could do is get uh, a bunch of hoaxes, uh, get them together and say, can you replicate that and how long would it take you to do it, you know? And the thing is that um, I bet you that they couldn't actually do it um, without having plank marks on the stems because that's what they do it with. They do it with ropes and planks. And the thing is that um, the, the genuine crop circles have expulsion nodes uh, where the actual uh, the grain, the actual stem of the the grain crop or whatever it is, is actually hit by a microwave and then bends the actual stalk in the direction that it wants it to go. Um, in that in that way, um, yeah, in that way, crops like rapeseed, uh, which are flowering, you know, have the flowers undisturbed, completely undisturbed, and yet there's a formation inside the crop. How do you do that? Impossible. Anyway, Some I think I've lost you again. From, from above <laughs> as well, because um, as I said, these designs are so intricate. It's always troubled me that someone on the ground um, would be able to navigate, you know, them, themselves, all those designs, you know, bring them to fruition. Oh, pe- people have done yeah. them. Uh, I think people have actually done them. Have they done uh, Without having a, a drone up. Uh, I think uh, it's it's hard to say. Um, I, I have seen you've, you, YouTube videos where people have actually, um, you know, like actually YouTubed, uh, like vi- sorry, videoed somebody, you know, like a group of people in the night making a crop circle. But it, I, I, it wasn't a terribly advanced one, and uh, they took a very long time. And there was obvious signs of plank marks all over the, 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 you know, the 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 actual stems. And I'm thinking, well, it's easy. It's actually very easy to pick a folks crop circle from a, a genuine one yeah um it's it, it's very easy it's certainly an interesting phenomenon and as i said that one that just doesn't go away you know even after it's a bit like when um you know the surgeons photograph a lock next that it got proved that it was you know submarine or whatever the toy submarine um but people you know sort of continue. i thought it was a tail of an otter oh was it okay <laughs> <laughs> hey look either way yeah, they were saying it was a tail of an, an otter. So okay. um, it's just the perspective again. Yeah, yeah that was uh, um, that 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 uh, inverted commas famous um, photo of Loch Ness was uh, with the neck and the head was just the tail of an otter going, it, you know, d- never, diving down with its tail up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I was, was getting at is, is like the crop circles that never gone away. You know, every summer, um, you know, they turn up in some um, cornfield somewhere. That's right. Of, yeah, I mean it's it's a yeah. strange phenomenon, and and we should that, we should do a, a special we should do a, a talk on that as a podcast. Actually, I'll that. try and get. Uh, so what's, uh, <laughs> what's the third case you got for us, Roger? Okay, so um, all right, so that was that one. Yeah, so we got um, case number one eight nine seven nine. Um, so this this happened in April um, April the tenth, nineteen ninety seven. So it's a historical case. Yeah. So we do get the occasional historical cases where um, somebody will um, it's they've seen a uh, sighting and it's been dwelling on their mind and they've they've had it for, they that they, they had the sighting a long time ago and um, they put it in the database because I think I want I want to report this you know yeah cool. and even though it happened you know twenty years ago or whatever um, so this. Uh, this is a historical case, uh, male witness. Um, so here it was about 11.30 at night, and um, uh, this is in the Upper Hutt uh, region of North Wellington. Yeah. Sorry, uh, is it near Wellington? Oh, yeah. Upper Hutt so is about, just I think it's, out of suburb of Wellington, really, yeah. Uh, 
Okay. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, not again, not far away from the other two sightings, which no, is really bizarre. Um, yeah, and so male witness, and um, I think he resides in Taiwan, but he's got a, he hasn't got a Taiwanese name. He's just got a, um, an English name. Um, uh, and he was at his friend's place in Upper Hutt and watching watching cr- a cricket match on TV that evening. And he went out um, uh, into the backyard uh, in a large grassy yard and then uh, looked up uh, into the um, a largely overcast night but saw um, what he described as a triangular-shaped hole um, about 100 to 200 metres above. Now, I find that difficult to believe um, because the cloud wouldn't be that low. But anyway, um, he said it was 100 to 200 metres above and 50 metres ahead of him. So um, a triangular-shaped hole in the clouds. Anyway, um, I I would imagine it'd be a lot further up than that. Anyway, the hole appeared to be moving slowly towards him. Um, Jokingly, he said to himself, uh, that could be a hole for a UFO to pass through. And five seconds later, whammo, um, a black triangular-shaped object was seen spinning clockwise direction and entered the hole at a 45-degree angle, passing exactly through the hole. What's that? It's some Independence Day sort of stuff, isn't it? The mothership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then it stopped for a moment and reversed back through the hole, spinning in an anti-clockwise direction, re- retracing its path back to where it's originated. So um, so that's what he's seen. He saw a hole in the cloud, triangular-shaped hole in the cloud um, above him and about 50 metres ahead of him. And then this um, uh, triangle, it was spinning though. So it was a triangle shape. So when oh, it okay. stopped for a moment, so, he could actually see a triangular form. Okay, okay. but is the and so mention um, that it's that it's created a triangle shaped hole in the cloud? In well, the cloud. well, see, the thing is that I was thinking, um, you know, like there there are such things as you know, like portals and things like that. But I'm not saying this is actually a portal. Yeah. But um, I, I just find the the distance above the ground to be wrong. Um, but also, um, I think in um in Skinwalker Ranch, um, Bigelow's um Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. there's been there were reports when the Nids the Nids um scientists were there saying that they could actually see portals and um the UFOs coming through them. I mean, I'm thinking, and these are these are quite like very well known physicists that were reporting this and one in particular um who his name escapes me at the moment um who is currently um in 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 the um in the news about um uh about um uh, a sp- crashed spacecraft and um materials coming off them and and um uh analysis of the ma- of the materials um so anyway um so this could be some some form of a portal? I don't know. Um, it, it seems to be, yeah, odd that it's, you know, like a, just a, a punched uh, hole through a cloud. Um, that's and not, so that's not um, an I'll unusual just... report. So, mm. um, not so much triangle-shaped holes in clouds, but I've certainly heard of, um, you know, oval-shaped ones. Yeah. Being associated yep. We do have one case. 
Yeah, and we we do have a case where we've actually seen a video, um, which is it's a really bizarre case that um, in Melbourne uh, this guy has been he he had a, a a video camera on the front of his car and the back of his car, so he's got a, a cam right, and he accidentally was cleaning he was cleaning in the back window and he knocked the cam up one day you know accidentally knocked it so it was facing yeah. up into the sky, and he got this UFO and it was in daylight. And it was just like a little orb. But then he he got quite interested and decided to just go around in his car and um, see whether he could capture any more of these orbs because he just left the camera in that position. And for, and, yeah. and, for, and, and he did. You know, he got these other orbs. And um, one of them that he actually um, entered into the database, you can actually see it going through a cloud and living out a hole punch in the cloud. It was just really bizarre. And um, it's got to be the size of a car because it's basically um, um, quite high up. You know, the cumulonimbus clouds are about 2,000, at least 2,000 feet up. And you can actually see it in the video doing a hole punch in the cloud. So it's really bizarre. Um, so where was I up to with this one? So he's, yeah, so he saw the the, the thing go into the cloud Um momentarily stop and he saw the triangular shape and it started spinning in the opposite direction and doing the uh, anti-clockwise thing, which is interesting. Again, you've got something going into the cloud in, in a clockwise direction, you know, spinning in the clockwise. Then all of a sudden it stops and it goes back reverses, but it's going in an anti-clockwise direction. So, and that, does it say how many times that happened or was it sort of it one just happened once, whole- just happened once. Yeah. Um, so he, um, so you could see the object's true triangular shape when it stopped spinning. Um, yeah, and I just put query portal. <laughs> um, so the witness said that the object appeared like a boomerang in flight when it spun. Um, I'm wondering what so, the spinning's all about. Is it? Is, I don't have know. you got some sort of hypothesis for that? No. Um, usually the triangular-shaped craft don't spin, and they've been seen a lot of different places. Um, they've been – obviously there was the um, the Belgian UFO triangle incident, um, which is very, very um, – like this was this was front-page news in a lot of um, a lot of yeah. countries when it happened. Um, it was it was um, worldwide news, in fact, and um, – the military was involved and, and even the military in Holland was saying, you know, sorry, in Belgium was saying um, uh, ha- had to uh, contact the United States and say, look, is one of your, um, you know, your, your, um, uh, what are those, um, um, the, uh, the bombers, um, what are they called? Oh, God. Like a B-2. Or- yeah, yeah, the B-2 bomber. The stealth bomber. The stealth bomber, yeah. sorry. Um, so it had, it sort of like had a, a similar shape to a stealth bomber. So And, and the, United States, the United States responded by saying, no, we've got n- none of our craft there at all, you know. Um, so. Because um, they, they maintain bases in Germany still, don't they? The US, I mean. Oh, I don't know about that, to be honest. Um, I know. Um, obviously, they had them in 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 um in, sure in the UK in, uh, in Woodbridge. They had um in the eighties. They had uh, they had a US um, military base there. They had um uh, military base. They um because they'll have to have um strike assets all over True. the world, won't they? You know, so they'll have European. Yep. Um, they've certainly got Pine Gap so, up here. That's <laughs> you know, not our realm, is it? 
Yes, yeah, so the right. witness. Uh, so so uh, it um, the entire event uh, only took a, a few seconds, and the witness states that he had no time to process what had happened. So he, um, uh, either emotionally or intellectually, um, and um, he felt quite bewildered. Um, he had never heard of a triangular UFO, and uh, what made it even more baffling when it appeared, um, he thought it had come out of his head. So, so it's so like he was, um, he, he found it quite unusual that um, he um, thought about it and then the UFO appeared. And there's, there's something to that I feel, um, if this is real, that, um, you know, like the CE projects where they've got, you know, the close encounter. Uh, projects uh, that um, uh, jo- um, uh, uh, Greer, Stephen Greer, is um, uh, organising, and, and people around the world are practising, um, where they're um, communicating telepathically to um, possible extraterrestrial biological entities out there in the universe, and all of a sudden they dis- they appear you know, as a physical form or a light in the sky, in the night sky. Yeah. Um, that might have something to do with that. I don't know, yeah. you know. Um, sure. So it's interesting that he's mentioned that and it's interesting that it, you know, like, so like went in, stopped and then went reversed out. So I, I think that's an interesting case, but, um, you know, uh, um, so. The, I mean, he says it was only sort of momentarily, didn't it? It was only sort of a second or two to process, but. Yeah, it seems like a lot of have happened in a second or two, doesn't it? it? It's a lot that's happened, absolutely. And the strange thing about it that when he went back into his friend's house, he didn't mention it to his friend, and um, then he um, he forgot about it for the rest of the evening, and then he only um, uh, pondered over it when he was alone, um, you know, a couple of few days later. And I, th- you know, that's that's yeah. Interesting that he never mentioned it to him. I would have just rushed around and said, oh, my God, look, I just saw this crazy thing happen, you know, which is what I did when I saw my UFO. I just ran home and, um, you yeah. know, I was sweating and um, everyone's saying, what the hell, did you see a ghost or something? And I said, no, <laughs> I saw something close. Yeah, close, but not something else. Um, yeah, so, um, so I've got one more case for you. Oh, hang on. I've got two more cases. I better, yeah, better start moving Excellent. on. Uh, so case uh, 21451, uh, this happened on the 5th of November in 2008 at about 10.30 in the evening um, in Auckland. Um, so um, we're up again, <laughs> same area. Um, uh, there were multiple witnesses involved in this one, including the primary witness, his children and the neighbours. So this sighting uh, was also reported to NASA in the United States, and uh, although um, it went unaddressed by NASA as, as per usual, I mean, I don't I think that they very rarely respond to the public, um, you know, um, uh, asking them to investigate a UFO. Um, that's that's really, you know, they never do it. Um, so don't even it's go there. It's place to refer it to as well. I mean, it's true. Where they got true. Yeah. Mm. So in, in the witness's words, um, these UFOs were intelligent with no, uh, uh, with no doubt be- uh, because they were flying across the sky at the rate of, as a, at, the, at a rate too incredible to be man-made. So that's just quoting the, the witness. They zigzagged and played uh, with each other and were in the sky doing random tricks. So I'm just uh, quoting the, quoting the, um, the uh, witness there. 
so they haven't really described much to start off with. That's what they just, that's what they said. So they're saying, yeah. oh, look, there's no doubt they're intelligent. They're flying across the sky at an incredible rate. They're zigzagging, playing with each other. Uh, the witness was surprised that this had all happened above an Air Force base. And I'm thinking, which Air Force base? Is there enough, uh, what sort of Air Force bases do you have? Which one? We called Hobsonville, which is uh, okay. northwest of all. So, but there was no reaction from the the actual Air Force Base. So, um, uh, it was happening above the Air Force Base, but no reaction. Um, the witness begged the media uh, to get involved, and they showed no interest. Um, and the UFO, according to the witness, were uh, there was about five of them, up to five, seen it in, in one time, and they were flying low. Um, uh, sometimes below cloud level, and they were um, as large as small aircraft. Um, the witness describes the shape uh, of the craft as being disc-shaped with an orb at the base, but the orb wasn't attached to the actual disc, and it appeared to be illuminated, so that the orb seemed to be illuminated, which is not touching the disc. Um, the craft shone light but had no colour, and um, the witness had Asperger's syndrome, uh, and has a very sensitive. Uh, very, he's very sensitive to movement in his peripheral vision. That's how he he initially um, found uh, the UFOs of his peripheral that's, vision. That's interesting. I was saying I used to just work with a fellow with uh, Asperger's, and he definitely had almost a sixth sense of you know uh, seeing things that others didn't. You know, yeah. he would, um, but like, uh, you know, who said we must be trained to observe what which others miss or something like that? I think it was Arthur Conan Doyle or yeah. one of those writers. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he was really like that. You know, and it was really useful when we were trying to catch shoplifters and things like that because he would remember vehicle details really well and registrations and, and what appearance of people and things mm. like that. Um, so there's, you know, there's, yeah, I think for someone like that to witness that is, is quite interesting, you know, it puts a different spin on it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, I think it's a little bit like, um, uh, also, um, not directly though, um, like a savant who has, um, an, an extremely high ability, uh, you know, greatly developed ability in one, a very narrow facet sure. of their of their intelligence and then, but if you give them an IQ test, they fail it, you know, but, um, yeah. so it's uh, you know, similar to that. Um, but this guy was also Christian and, um, uh, so he had Asperger's, he was Christian and he, uh, he was an acting Christian, but uh, I think, um, more so than, than a normal Christian, you know, he was quite into it. And, um, uh, he, uh, witnessed, uh, the UFO immediately, when um, he was outside praying. So, um, yeah. And so the witness felt that the objects were evil. And uh, just be, it's interesting to be outside praying, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And that, at the time, you know, like it's at 10 30 yeah. in the evening, you know. Um, yeah. uh, and so basically, I suppose you can pray anywhere you want to, but um, I'm not denying him that. But I mean, I just think, yeah, it is a it little sounds, bit odd. Thing. It sounds a bit off, though, doesn't it? It does. Um, and so uh, so basically, you know, you have this um, statement saying that, you know, they're possibly evil, which I thought was, you know, quite bizarre. But um, and then he's saying that um, uh, these objects uh, could be something evil, uh, like the objects that were mentioned in the first chapter of Ezekiel in the Bible. So but I didn't okay. know that the Bible actually referred to them as being evil. Well, anyway. it's just chariots of fire, isn't it? Or, yeah. Or it Ezekiel's wheel, you know. Yeah, sure. 
Well, Ezekiel's uh, will. I mean, it was it you know, was it the presence of evil? I don't know. Maybe I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Soft, Roger, I think. I think so. I think so, Jim. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the objects just flew out of sight eventually, and and that and according to the witness, they uh, always reappeared. So this happened over um, over a period of three weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was this happened over a period of three weeks. So they always appeared near the pot formation, which I assume he means the Big Dipper, which is Ursa Major constellation. Yeah. So they'd true. always appear above that area, and it, yeah, it's just strange that the um, the Air Force didn't say anything about it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that. So we've we've got our last case here, six one. 037. Um, this is there's not much. This witness didn't really say much in the actual um report, but there were two uh, quite very large, very distinct photographs. And um, uh, so this happened um on the sixth floor of a building. Uh, so they're on the sixth floor of a building that's on the corner of Beresford Square and Hopeton Street in Auckland. And I'm sure you're very familiar with that area. That's right downtown. Yeah, right yeah. downtown. And so, right. yeah, and so it's it's 20th of October 2014 at midnight and the witness bought a new smartphone and was testing the new smartphone uh, and because it, it had 16 megapixels of resolution. I don't know whether that's a lot. I suppose that is, but I suppose these days it's not a lot. Um, but he took two photographs of the city just randomly and then in viewing the results saw an unusual UFO-like light uh, in the first one, and then two in the second photograph, which was taken only just a couple of seconds after the first. So he didn't see it, anything in the sky, but just took two random photographs. And um, uh, so the witness states that the craft are not located on a commercial flight path and appeared to be traveling at speed, quoting him. Um, so the an ob, uh, on observation, so that means me, um, so I'm looking at the photographs now on my screen. Yep. And uh, I saw like when I first saw them, and it's a very, very clear photograph. And you can see now I'm not familiar with Wellington, sorry, um, but there's a big tower on the oh, right hand side. That'd be Auckland, yeah. The sky yeah, so there's tower, a big tower, yeah. sky tower on the right hand side. Yep. And then you've got it's to the left, the sky tower, uh, as you're yep. looking out. And um, there's. Uh, three very, very bright lights that are sort of like near the sky tower in buildings. And I'm thinking this is probably lens flare. Okay. Mm. And I can see the UFO that he's referring to. And I'm, you know, I can actually um, really, you know, quite go uh, up in higher magnification. It's a little blur of light, a very faint blur of light, but when you magnify it, it's got a bit of structure to it. And it's sort of like, it looks like, um, I don't know, it, 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 it sort of like looks like um, just a ball of light with some smaller balls uh, on either side of it, um, and it's blurry, but it looks weird. And you sort of like think, what is that? Is that, you know, like, go ahead. Does it have a cityscape within the shot? Is there any scale? Yes. Yes. There is. Okay. Yes, and it looks like it's quite a distance away. It sort of looks like it's a mm, – uh, I'd say – Possibly at least two or three kilometers away, but so it's quite bright because it's yep. it's that you know it's quite a distance away. And then the second photograph, when you look at it, you can see the first 
object has actually moved. So it can't be lens flare unless he would have it's he would have moved the the actual camera very slightly, but it can't account for the actual movement of the light, and it actually looks different. And then there's this other object, and I'm thinking, is that more lens flare, or is it just some other weird thing? Um, and so one of them's sort of like a got a reddish color, and the other one's got a so like a, a whitish blue, but it's right next to a very bright light that's on a building that's uh, sort of like a, a circular building as you're looking at it um, next to the, the, the tower. I think that's probably uh, the Vero toilet seat as it's known. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's sort of like, yeah. it's got sides to it. So it's probably an octagon shaped building. I think I know and, what you're talking about. Yeah. So that sort of like looks like lens flare to me, but then again, I don't know, you know, like it's it's got this very bright light and then it's got this object that's sort of like, you know, like it looks, it looks like lens flare, but it's a very odd lens flare because it doesn't look like a, like the typical shape of lens flare like that, you know, that you get, but um, there's two of them. And I'm thinking that's bizarre. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never seen two different types of lens flare, you know, Um I, now, recently, uh, Roger, I took a couple of photos in a, a graveyard out in East Auckland here just because yep. I'm a, obviously have a paranormal radio show. So Yeah, yeah into ghosts and stuff like that, yeah. It, that's right. And I got um, two lens flares, actually, which, you know, if I'd sort of done a bit of a crop job and zoomed in, we maybe could have turned it into something. Um, yep. If I was being nefarious about it, but th- there was definitely uh, two lens flares and two separate videos, oh. and both of them had uh, photos. Sorry, not videos, and yep. both of them had moved. Oh, okay. Um, they were of different sizes, yeah. And shape and just, yeah. Um, personally, I think again, that probably is a, a trick of the light and a camera fault, yeah. Like that, but so we, yeah, it, it um, can so, happen. If I'm getting at you know, yeah, it can happen. It might happen. Um, yeah. So, so basically, the uh, the national director at that stage uh, said that the witness is very credible, and they could be. You know, like I mean, there's nothing wrong with the witness. It's just that he's taken no. uh, these photographs. And the thing is that when I always send, uh, there's always a red flag that that appears in front of my face when something like this happens, where you don't see anything in the sky. You take a photograph, and suddenly there's not something there. That's a big red flag for me. And um, yep. so basically the the national director at the time said it was an unknown. And when I looked at it, I thought, oh, boy, that could be lens flare. You know, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, like it, it's it's so close now. There's, there's to that other light that I'm thinking, oh, boy, that's, you know, that so much looks like lens flare. Um, yeah. But she's, she's called it a UFO, so uh, an unknown. So um, well, you've got to be careful. But the thing yep. is that you can actually um, – it's a bit disappointing that um, there wasn't further investigation done in this. What I would have done, because it's Wellington, you've definitely got flight radar, you know, history. From the Tower of Yeah, and you can, um, you can actually uh, eliminate aircraft by, you know, going into the historical data for flight radar and uh, just determine whether there was a plane in that location or not. And um, so that's, that's immediately eliminated planes. Um, You could look at satellites to say, Oh, is it a satellite? It's a bit, it's looks, looks quite low for a satellite anyway. And I don't think it, you know, like, but you could just check it anyway, satellite information. We've we've got something called um, 
there's an app uh, that gives you historical data for 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 um, locations of satellites as well. Um, okay, yeah. So there's yeah, so there's a lot of different things, and and it's looking more and more like lens flare to me. So I'm you know, but um yeah, I'd like your opinion so it, of it. So that's that's it. Excellent. Well, you've been very comprehensive as always, Roger. So uh, thank you. And that was Occam's Razor episode thirty nine. My thanks to Roger Stankovic from Mufon for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you all next time. Cheers. There's something really.